In our previous episode we started talking about the idea of doing nothing and we looked at different positions on what it could mean to do nothing. Can one truly do nothing or is doing nothing itself a form of doing something? And then we looked at the Roman ideas of otium, negotium and assidia. And for this, we specifically referred to an article by Professor Ingrid Nelson called Doing Nothing is All the Rage. Is it a form of resistance or just an indulgence for the lucky few? And this time, we're going to take that conversation forward um, by referring to Nelson's article, of course, but also a little more of uh, something that we didn't pay enough attention to last time, which is an, which is an article by Simon Oof. Simon Godstock, uh, called In Praise of Doing Nothing. Now, what I want to start off this episode with is reflection. By doing nothing, we often tend to think that we're spending the day being lazy or idle or whatever, but a lot of that or a major part of that ends up being reflection, moments of contemplation and thinking about both oneself and um, the external world, right? And I feel like the the inability to have those moments of reflection is also a consequence of the unjust system in which we live because it allows the status quo to remain as it is, in my opinion, because stopping... Uh, stopping working, and by working I mean productive economic labor, by stopping that to do something as trivial as thinking could be a question of life and death for a lot of people. So they can't afford to take that time off and spend some time with themselves, spend some time with reflection and real questioning of things. Um, You're right that people who don't have the privilege to afford time off um, and time away from the negotium and the assidia, um, they they can't take time off for themselves because they're stuck in the production of, um, of all things that they need to survive, to sustain. And so the question then uh, becomes... Of course, the, the, the question is also, the, the important question is asking what needs to change to allow people to have OTM, people who don't currently have that privilege. But I think another interesting question is also the people who currently do have OTM. How, do, how, do, how should they uh, spend their OTM? How should they spend the time that they have? And how should they spend their idleness? Um, and I think um that one of the things that we ended um on last episode was um something that professor nelson wrote which is um and just because you can do nothing should you um and so i'm i really want to know what you think about that shish which is even though we know that taking breaks away from the negotium the way professor nelson writes as well which is escaping the the hamster wheel of productivity, and I'm quoting Professor Nelson here, 
uh, can spark the ideas that change the world and taking time off for yourself from um, from all that work is significant also for your own physical and mental well-being. So then the question is, are you making use of that privilege? Uh, I was I was about to say, uh, are you making use of that privileged privilege um, uh, well enough? Or is that use of the privilege worthwhile? And that's the question. Wow. Of, uh, yeah, I, I, fell, wow. I fell into that trap. That's a meta, dude. <laughs> that's like, you're... Damn, dude. That's... Holy shit. The more I think about that, the cooler it is. Like, it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? It's so hardwired into all of us. Damn. Yeah, even even trying to spend... Even talk about spending that privilege. We're talking about spending it. Spending it uh, in a worthwhile yeah. manner. Oh, my God. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh. Wow. But anyway, I guess I guess the question still stands, which is uh, if if we have uh, the privilege of of OTM, of having OTM, um, how do we use it or how do we what do we what do, what do we ought to do with that? Yeah, I have two things to say about that. First, I, I don't believe that being privileged is inherently um i guess a negative thing like it, it, being or having certain privileges does not inherently make one a bad person it depends on how one uses the given privilege because more often than not the privilege that one has is something that one is born with rather than uh, some something one works towards. That's why it's a privilege. So how someone uses their privilege uh, in their OTM is the question that we need to be asking. And is that uh, for the benefit purely of oneself or is that for the benefit of other people as well? And I would say that if it's the latter, if it's for the benefit of other people, then it's a preferable thing to do. But then again, I wouldn't disregard or I wouldn't um, say that doing something purely for the benefit of oneself is also bad. It's all about moderation. And surprise, surprise, the article also ends with the same thing, which is that moderation is always good. Um, moderation between personal idleness and civic-minded idleness. Uh, and it does lean towards civic-minded idleness as being more useful, I guess, but it does not, again, disregard the first one. The second thing that I wanted to say was in relation to what you said about the hamster wheel of productivity, um, specifically uh, in connection to m one of my first points, which was that people can't afford to uh, remain idle because of this capitalist system uh, forcing them to work constantly. And I feel like a certain... Um, sociological concept comes into play here and I would love to do a whole episode on this but just for the sake of clarity here it's a, it's a concept proposed by Louis Althusser which is that of the ideological state apparatus and the repressive state apparatus now to illustrate what those two things are a, repress a repressive state apparatus would be something like 
um, you know, materially curbing dissent. Like if anybody is being, is showing any signs of dissent, curb them physically, like maybe through the military, uh, some kind of police state, you know, that kind of stuff. But an ideological state apparatus, in my opinion, would be a little more sinister, where you make the people believe that the oppressive system that they're living under is not oppressive. So that's a little more sinister for me. And that's what I think could be the case here as well. People having to work incessantly um, to the point where working itself seems to be the cure. Like I know people, and myself included, I know I know countless other people who say that they feel either alive while working or distracted while working. In either case, it keeps work is what keeps them busy, and unable to think of other things like leisure and spiritual growth and whatnot. And it keeps them distracted from any sort of negative thoughts that they might be having. And that could be a consequence of this ideological state apparatus that we're living in, right? And because of that, I feel like we end up in this vicious cycle of um, wanting to do something uh, uh, for ourselves, not being able to do it because of our acidia and negotium. Finally finding the time to get out of the negotium and acidia, but then finding that we're not being productive in our OTM and going back into this negative space of constant unfulfilling productivity. And in fact, Simon also points that out in, in the article by saying by by saying that German philosopher Hartmut, Hartmut Rosa, who we spoke about last time, uh, the philosopher points out that the acceleration of, of uh, technological growth, economic growth and whatnot mimics the criteria of totalitarian power. And I'm just reading out from the essay here. Uh, it exerts pressure on the wills and actions of subjects. Like I've mentioned, ideological state apparatus, it is inescapable, it is all pervasive and it is hard or almost impossible to criticize and fight. So any moment spent not working towards something tangible, something material, is a moment wasted. And I've been feeling that too over the past few days. And it's something that has made a lot of people, I guess, feel not good about this pandemic, especially. And I think that the most significant part of all of this for me is that it's almost hard, or sorry, that it's hard or almost impossible to criticize and fight, which I think is probably the most significant uh, point in, in, in understanding this the cycle of production and of productivity because until now or at least until a little while ago i didn't really fight the idea of being productive and the need to be productive um and even right now i think we're like a lot of us are, are still struggling with like this desire to be productive because it, it isn't uh, at the face of it, it, it doesn't sound as bad because you're just trying to do things for that will help you, right? Uh, that will either bring you monetary or uh, some material benefit. Um, but the thought then is also, 
if if it doesn't seem that bad, then why am I trying to fight it? Right? It doesn't seem that I mean, it doesn't seem like something I need to criticize. But the thought that you're stuck in that cycle of um, desiring productivity and not taking time out for yourself, and not having and and of course struggling with that mentally, is definitely not healthy. Uh, and that's I've also been constantly trying to shake off the feeling that and shake off the desire to keep doing productive things and not things for for um and and you know fight off the feeling that I need to do productive things and do things that I feel like doing that I want to do that aren't necessarily going to bring about any material or monetary benefit to me and that I guess is also then a question about um, whether I ought to be doing that right and I, I, I agree with the first first point you made Trish, which is that having privilege alone isn't bad uh, or doesn't make you a bad person it's how you use that privilege. Um, and that's the question that is, or, and, and how you manifest that um, privilege, right? I don't want to use the word use, um, but that's the question that I'm also struggling with, which is what is the right way to manifest that privilege and, and um, shape it to, to not simply be, um, you know, focused on you, um, because the distinction that Professor Nelson makes be between personal idleness and civic-minded idleness is is true, right? Because personal idleness can lead to, uh, and I'm reading out from uh, the article that uh, personal idleness restores and renews, but can also lead to antisocial or exploitative behavior and civic-minded idleness acknowledges our connection with society even as we withdraw from it giving us space to explore play and discover and i feel like acknowledging that there should be a balance between the two is fair enough and is um the right thing to say i, I guess but to understand how that balance would play out and how you spend time is a lot more complicated right which is when do you know that um, you've had or um, that that um, your personal idleness is uh, far outweighing your civic minded idleness, right? When you're spending the OTM that you have on yourself a lot more than you are with um, a civic minded idleness is, um, I mean, how do you recognize that balance and um, how do you begin to to change how you are spending that otium is pretty interesting to me and finding that balance made me think about what Peter Singer um, said about like personal belongings for example and of salary I think it was that even if you people who are from wealthy and um, materially rich countries and those who can afford it should at least give off a percentage of what they earn or things that they possess to organizations or to people who need it. 
uh singer does it himself he gives off a percentage of his salary um for causes so there's like a calculable is that the word Cal- is it calculable yeah, yeah. calculable, yeah. calculable. I mean, whether it's a word calculable. or not you can use it i know what it means <laughs> okay <laughs> yes i love that um I, I, it's calculable you know that there's a certain percentage of your um salary or your belongings that you're going to give away but how do you uh, and and if if like should like should you do the same for your otium or uh, and if you should how should you do it what percentage um should you spend on yourself and what percentage um should you spend um i don't know doing things for others and the, the reason all of this seems so difficult is because then it just becomes a question of or then it just becomes a process of trying to bifurcate how you how you should be spending your time away from the negotium right from that cycle away from the, like time away from that cycle of production which is even even the time that you're supposed to reserve for yourself you're trying to uh calculate and assess how much you can truly have for yourself which we're doing in this system of production anyway we try to calculate how many hours of sleep we can get how many hours of i don't know uh sitting in a balcony we can get before we need to return to work um and that might happen again when you're trying to divide your time between your civic minded idleness and your personal idleness and i have i've said a lot in in this little little while and it's so much to take in but do you do you know what i'm saying uh shreesh about yeah, like yeah, this I confusion do, do, yeah, and I I absolutely yeah. do. In fact, I was muted but as I was listening to you I was just kind of grinning to myself like nodding nodding in understanding because that's exactly what I think also and specifically speaking of personal idleness and civic minded idleness I feel like civic minded idleness does have some room for personal growth whereas personal idleness does not provide as much room for social benefit and that's where i think nelson is also right in that we must prioritize civic minded idleness because you will have opportunities for personal growth especially because of the fact that you can't um uh, benefit society without some kind of contemplation right so the space for contemplation personal reflection personal growth will be provided to you by default in any civic minded idleness but it needn't necessarily be the other way around for personal idleness so that's where the uh, positives and negatives of that come in and speaking of uh, speaking a little more of um civic minded idleness and contemplation nelson brings up this interesting point um by burton russell okay hold on i mean i, I said burton russell but i wanted to say Bertrand Russell is literally everywhere. I mean, how is this guy literally everywhere? Like every other paper I read seems to have one mention of him. Bertrand Russell wrote a wrote a paper a treatises and a treatises what what, what is that word? Treatises, uh, yeah. A treatise. <laughs> Treat treatise. Yeah. Sorry. A treatise on <laughs> the ethics of idleness, I think. It oh, was damn. in the 19 in 1930. Oh, I think it is. That. I haven't I haven't read it. I think I just yeah, I just looked it up and it exists. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, that's probably why people uh, are mentioning it uh, yeah. as much. Yeah, no, not just this, but like I mean, I get he's really famous and stuff. Not just this, right? And everything like it could be idleness. It could be I've I've seen him mentioned in mathematics and metaphysics. Literally every field, it's crazy. But yeah, I guess he did contribute quite a lot. So yeah. Anyway, my point was, she brings up this point um, by Russell. and she calls it Russell's deadly serious take on laziness so and it's a take that i'm you know generally inclined to agree with honestly because god knows how much contemplation can change a person i know certainly how much it has changed me and it must be the same for other people as well so if we all just took like an hour a day each to reflect on what's happening around us and reflect on what our beliefs are wouldn't that be nice it'd be brilliant Yeah I think I think you're right like I I also think that um what you said about civic minded idleness having room for personal idleness is something I hadn't thought of and that makes a lot of sense especially in in the context the especially in the context of what uh professor nelson writes at uh, at the end of that paragraph which is ultimately this should lead to a more equitable society and at first i was confused as to how you know the 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 distinction between personal and civic minded idleness will lead to a more equitable society but that's definitely the case right which is like you said take suppose you take an hour off to to recognize the 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 kind of work that you do the the kind of life that you're living the kind of the time you're spending for yourself the role that you play in um the lives of those around you and in the world and everything going around you obviously develop a sense of um a, a relationship with the world around you in that you start to see yourself not just as a as a passive part of the world that you live in but a causal part of the world you live in you see that you begin to see that you have a role to that. play in making the change yeah and that makes a lot of sense right which is eventually this would lead to a more equitable society and like like um um like professor nelson says that the more opportunities people have to be idle the better off everyone is and i also think that it's interesting that even though the focus right now in our conversation and these articles is about personal idleness and in how we should do in how we should do in what we should in do how we should do yeah uh, <laughs> how do you do how how do i how, yeah yeah how do you do nothing um in, in yeah in the conversation is about uh how we deal with personal or how we how we deal with the time that we have our own um uh what's the word uh damn it what did i forget otm yeah our own otm i think it's also important to note that the the push for idleness that everyone should have access to isn't just personal i think it's also a very succinct i think commentary on the nature of the kind of work that we're engaged in that doesn't allow for idleness and it's not just a plea this article i think at least is not just a plea to to the privileged and to their use of their idleness i think and i think it's it's also a call to recognize the the need for idleness for everyone and that those who do have that idleness right now have uh almost a duty to to use that idleness in 
not just for your own well-being but for like a civic well-being and that i think was really interesting that you know you're you're focusing on the personal but also recognizing the structural and um bigger institutional changes that need that that are needed for uh this idleness that everyone deserves yeah and you know that just reminds me of another sort of it's it's kind of a minor point in the article but it it really hit a chord with me which is that a lot of people or other okay i'm just going to go out to limb and say everyone okay everyone constantly stuck in a cycle of everyone constantly stuck in a cycle of that's a tongue twister right there constantly stuck in a cycle of um negotium and acidia would not say that that is what the good life is and simon points this out so touted by the mass media and corporate culture this credo of busyness contradicts both how most people in our society define the good life and the tenets of many eastern philosophies that extol the virtue and power of stillness like damn that's so true because being constantly stuck in a cycle of productivity would not be the good life for anybody and you need that um little bit of otium i mean how, however you choose to spend it you know preferably not entirely selfishly but you need that little bit of otium to to remain sane i suppose and it just yeah it it just reminds it just i don't know it's it's great it it, it it hit really really close to home for me because i've been and i guess we've been in in a high speed high pressure environment for the past 2 years and we will be for the foreseeable future and i can say that i've experienced most if not all of the things described in uh professor simon's article things like burnout and unsustained focus and what not so yeah you're you're right he's right everybody's right but the system is just <laughs> screwed yeah uh <laughs> let's yeah optimism um <laughs> but yeah the the like I, I the this this um <laughs> the last two seconds of my voice were just random sounds <laughs> random just, sounds uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> what i'm trying to say is there's this paragraph in professor nelson's article 2 which uh like talks about the same kind of need for rest that um professor uh, uh uh professor gotch you can do it you can do gotch it gotch chalk talks about got it i got it yes i i deserve an extra cookie for that um yeah that professor gotchok talks about as well which is that uh, and i'm quoting professor nelson here everyone needs rest and it's easy to feel the attraction of disengagement but idleness has too often been a resource unequally allocated to the haves and moralized as sloth amongst among the have nots and even though we've broadly spoken about this privilege i think this paragraph is so well uh these these few lines are so well written and so so beautifully sum up the the struggle or not it's not even a struggle it's the 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 almost negative connotations that exist with rest that the have nots uh exercise and it's moralized as sloth and that's so that's so like you know it's it's 
it's brilliant because on one hand, and uh, Professor Nelson mentions this in the article too, which is you have these anti-burnout retreats, like these, like in, in the words, I, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, professor says that at, at its worst, the privilege, it curates rarefied products and experiences. And I looked up this, uh, these um, really fancy uh, anti-burnout retreats and they're so rich, expensive, and so almost alienating. It, it's not as, um, I don't know, as anti-burnout as you think it is. If anything, it's like this, this should be moralized as, I don't know, greed. If you're moralizing sloth, or if you're, if you're uh, moralizing the rest that the have-nots exercise a slot, then this should definitely be one of your other nine, seven, whatever sins uh, in in some way or the, some way or the other. So it's it's so confusing or it's so I don't know. I'm 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 losing adjectives to like talk about how this uh you know um of how idleness and of how rest is distributed between the haves and have nots and the and the the values we assign to it. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. It is, it is a, a funny, funny world where to escape this constant capitalist mode of production and to escape a constant mindset where you need, you feel like you need to be doing something um, and earning money, you know, we use that same money on expensive burnout retreats <laughs> it's just so convoluted it, it's almost like we're working just so that we can afford to not work yeah it's weird isn't it like and and that i was so i was so surprised by this um infographic i think it is oh the microsoft uh, one was there in yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Of, of this how you should. Yeah, there's. Uh, we'll we'll link the article, but uh, yeah. and and please go through this infographic. It's it's brilliant, uh, brilliant in in uh, in ways that will uh, in in ways that are really repelling. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 the hashtag get it done, which is office workers want technology to help them get things done anywhere, sunrise to sunset, which could not be more far from like the truth. And to think that you should get work done while enjoying that happy hour appetizer. Do you like the irony in that? It's a happy hour appetizer. Why are you working during a happy hour food service? And apparently the, the statistics say that 27% of people have worked when they were out to eat, which is to like think that and th that just like highlights the significance of the these two articles and of idleness, not just in the lives of the privileged, but especially in the lives of those that don't have the privilege of the, the privilege of idleness, which is the work, not the work, work keeps creeping into your life in every little way 
and time for self-reflection and self-care becomes almost non-existent. And it's just oh, ridiculous. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I just remembered. Sorry to cut you off. But the, you just, what you just said reminded me of that meme. I saw this meme the other day, um, which is that uh, like companies will send out emails to all their employees saying, okay, so a lot of you have been asking that this policy be implemented when literally no employee would have asked for that policy to be implemented. And it'll be something that benefits the company in some way and just makes pay cuts or whatever. It's it's stupid. Yeah, it's it's just so... I, I don't know if I'm using this correctly, but sheesh, you know? It's just a big sheesh moment. Yeah, and it has and, to be. Uh, it has to be said with that tone, like sheesh. If you if you say it <laughs> a little, like if you say it lazily, like sheesh or something, you're being <laughs> unproductive. You got to say it with the tone. Wow, you're placing a lot of like responsibility on the shoulders of sheesh sayers. Yeah, um, I mean, dude, my <laughs> name sounds like that, so they better say it right. Oh yeah, sheesh. sheesh. <laughs> yeah i'm sorry that's just too funny <laughs> right so with all of that said i think it wraps up our current discussion on doing nothing um and we've spoken about a lot of things in these episodes about otium negotium about civic responsibility and whatnot and i hope that if there is anything that you have taken away from this episode it's that it's okay to take a break sometimes and it's okay to not um get pressured into feeling the need to constantly work with your hands and be productive um i mean both of these authors rightly believe that having some time for personal growth is beneficial both to oneself and to society so we hope that that's what you take away f- with you from this episode and this conversation at large yeah i couldn't i couldn't emphasize that enough <clears throat> and it's not and this conversation has been not just a has been a reflection for us as well and a lot for us to take back and it's been it's been a lovely couple of ep- episodes of um discussion and conversation and to finally end um a conversation on uh, well for now to end our conversation on um doing nothing um i want to end with a quote by professor nelson robert louis stevenson found in idleness an antidote to capitalist striving that acquainted the idler with what he called the warm and palpitating facts of life a kind of immediate experience of one's fellow man and natural environment that was otherwise squelched by participation in the capitalist machine